Welcome to the Everyday Lions Running Podcast. I am your host, Brian Lyons. Welcome back, guys, to another episode of the podcast. Apologies for not producing an episode for a number of weeks, but I have been really busy. And I've been busy organising the Everyday Lions and Tax Centre Great Train Race, which is on April 11th, which is uh, about two weeks ago from Sunday. Um, Amy and I were just really happy with the amount of people that supported this event. And the biggest thing for me was the amount of kids who entered. I think we had 126 kids who raced the train as well. And to see their smiling faces and the excitement in their voices when they said to their parents, oh, look, I've beaten the train, which was fantastic for me. Um, and another thing was just awesome, the amount of people who stayed around for the random draw. Arthur uh, Woods, and uh, well done to those guys who were lucky enough to win a prize on the day. We also had the carbo load feast the night before. Uh, I think that was a pretty successful night. And looking forward to, to next year's event. If you did do any of these events or went along to them, um, if you've got any feedback, shout out to us. Contact the Facebook page or you can contact me or Amy personally on Messenger. We'd love to hear your thoughts or any feedback about both those events. And if you're looking for group training, um, you can check out Everyday Lions at www.everydaylions.org. We train in Devonport Olberson on a Monday, Tuesday and Thursday night and we'd love to see you there. We had group training tonight in Olberston and it was bloody cold and just uh, trying to get used to this uh, this weather to be honest. Um, probably needed gloves on the bike but uh, you know the winter is where the, the kilometres are banked and where the training really counts uh, for those results in the summer. Each week, the podcast costs a number of dollars to produce. So if you are enjoying the podcast, we would love a donation or a contribution. You can do this by going over to www.everydaylines.org and looking up the Everyday Lines running podcast tab. We would love your support. Thank you. This next episode is with John Claridge. John is a coach based in Launceston and coaches under the name of Old Train. If you love your trail running, this is a podcast for you. And I really appreciated John's time. This was actually filmed live on Facebook through Zoom webinar. And yeah, if you love your trail running, there's so many takeaways in this podcast. I really appreciated John's time. And if you did enjoy this podcast, please reach out to John. I've been Brian Lyons, your host. This is the Everyday Lines Running Podcast. And here's John. Welcome to the Everyday Lions Running Podcast. I am your host, Brian Lyons. Sorry for the delay tonight, guys. Always the way, isn't it? This week's informative live Zoom podcast webinar, that's a big word, is with running coach John Claridge. John has his own running coaching business under the name of Train. He coaches in four, all forms of running, but specifically ultras and trail running. He has his own running groups along with high-profile runner Amy Lampert. We will be covering all things trail running and hopefully he'll be able to teach you some tips and tricks to become a better trail runner. We'll also touch on some of the races that John has organised and some of his impressive achievements in sport. John is currently the National Organisers Representative for the International Trail Running Association, President of the Tasmanian Trail Running Association, event director of Triple Top Mountain Run and assistant race director of Scottsdale Ride and Run. Welcome to the Everyday Lions podcast, John. Thanks, mate. Privileged to be here. Thanks, mate. And apologies uh, for taking so long for getting this podcast going. But also, listeners, if you are watching this podcast tonight and you have some questions, please Put them below the Facebook comments and hopefully John can answer them at the end. So enough talking from me, mate. How's your day been? Good. Nice crazy one for a change. That's good. <laughs> what did today look like, mate? Uh, really easy day today. We just went for a walk at Parsons Falls for a friend's birthday. Great. Great. Um, so no no running over the weekend at all? Uh, 
No, I did 14k yesterday morning, but that's about it. Yep. Yeah. So you're um you're recovering from going nuts recently, aren't you? Yeah, you could say recovering. Yeah. <laughs> Great. <laughs> and did you want to tell the listeners a little bit more about I'll Train and how this came about? Uh, I'll Train started originally started nearly so a bit over seven years ago now. Um, but prior to that, it was um, Jono's Running Group, which was um, spawned off the back of helping out with Casey Mainsbridge at Launceston Tri Club. Um, I did a bit of coaching there for the Tri Club. Um, I was a level one triathlon coach as well. And uh, yeah, took the running group for the Tri Club for quite a while. Um, and then it sort of just grew immensely into its own group. And and then uh, Amy and I got together and not long after we formed Train, which formed into lots of things after that. <laughs> yeah. Did you want to expand a little bit on those things so the listeners have a bit of an idea? Yeah, so we, we obviously, we still coach. Um, Amy does primarily most of the hands-on coaching, a little bit of mentoring. Uh, but we went into event management. That's always been a bit of a passion of mine. Um, was race director at Ross Marathons. I uh, was on the Launceston uh, Running Club Committee for oh, nearly nine years. I think I've been a member there for a bit over 20. Um, and then, yeah, developed quite a few events Launceston Marathon that was mine <laughs> started that we're not going to continue that one unfortunately um ended up taking over Tassie Trail Fest and saved that one down at Derby because that nearly got lost um handed that over last year triple tops as well um rail trail and about to embark on another one new one to replace convicts and wenches called Run Narantipo right awesome was that a bit mm. of an insight for the listeners was that something that people know about yet or yeah, keep, yeah. keep your ear out. That, <laughs> that entries might open for that very shortly, actually. Right. So get on that one if you're listening. And what was your introduction into running, mate? Uh, mine, mine's a bit of an odd one. I mean, I did a lot at well, I shouldn't say I did a lot. I did a bit at school. I, I'm not a traditionalist. I didn't do athletics. Um, that's sort of why I've got a bit of a perspective from the beginners and the middle of, to the back of the field uh, runner. I'm not really the elite. Um I don't see myself as a lead either. I don't train that way, never have. Um, I know what to do. I just don't do it myself. <laughs> I, um, yeah, I, I just ran at school and loved it. And I played footy at state level and was always a wingman or a rover and and, and did well at that. And then that developed. Um, I spent four years on disability pension as well. And, and uh, yeah, that, the running developed after that as a means to get out of it. And growing up with the three peaks race, all my life, um, pretty much, well, yeah, pretty much all of it. Um, from a sailor's point of view, I wanted to get involved in the running as well. Right. And you talked about sailing and Three Peaks Race. And for uh, anyone tuning in, that used to be a massive event. It was, um, I don't know, did you want to expand on that, actually, so people have an idea what that event's all about? Yeah, yeah, I can do that. I was on that committee too. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, Mate, you're just Forrest Gump. <laughs> Yeah, got to be on everything. Um, yeah, the Three Peaks race, uh, multi-day event, started in Beauty Point in the north of the state, um, a sailing running event. So the boat sailed from Beauty Point to Flinders Island, 90 nautical miles. Um, you get off, two runners get off, and they run 64K up and down Mount Strasleki, jump back on the boat, sail down to Freycinet, uh, run 42K up over Mount Freycinet and Graham, back to the boat, jump on the boat, so around the Hobart, either around Tasman or around Dunalley, you can row as well. Any manpower, so there was bikes on the back of some of the boats pedalling them. Um, around the Hobart and then up at down Wellington, 35k to finish off. So three mountains, three and a bit, nearly four days. 130k, 130 nautical miles of sailing. Wow. And you did that about 10 times, didn't you? 10 in a row, yeah. Yeah. Wow. That's a lot of k's. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> and uh, for... You're quite a handy sailor, aren't you? Did you want to, uh, yeah, tell us a little uh, bit about that? I was in a previous life. I don't know about now. I've done it for a while. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I um, yeah, started off. My, my family, my dad's side of the family have always been sailors. So I was introduced as a kid and went away on boats all my life. We um, we got into dinghy sailing, as you do, and uh, that developed. Um, a local uh, bloke by the name of Steve McKelvey, um 
was a, a very talented sailor still is. And I was lucky enough to, to be a crew with him. Mark Padgett, local boy from up here, he sailed with him as well. And uh, Mirror Class Dinghies went to nationals, two nationals. We won a nationals, got selected for the Worlds team and went to the Worlds in Holland. And I sailed the Savos as well, did the state awesome. team for that. So I've done a little bit. <laughs> yeah. What was that experience like, mate? Is that something you'll, you know, you'd start uh, with that? I suppose that hard work that is required to to succeed in stuff. Yeah, definitely. And and I was um, from the age of ten when I was training heavily for that ten through to about twelve. So it was really impressionable years for me. Um, you know, I was the Olympic training sessions here in WA in Hobart in the middle of August. Um, that's that's actually what led to me being on the the disability pension for a while. Okay. Yeah. Um, I developed glandular fever, unfortunately, but, you know, you do those things. Yeah, yeah but the experience of World Championships, yeah. When, if, if anyone has ever been to one, even just being there at a World Championships, it's it's just an experience you've got to be there to, to know. Um, you can't explain it to anyone. But to be part of it, uh, yeah, I'll never forget that. <laughs> yeah, awesome. And uh, we will get to the trail running, but I find this really interesting, the logistics behind this. So getting a yacht over to wherever you went, you went to somewhere in Europe, didn't you? Yeah, we were we were in Horn in Holland. Um, yeah. So start on the northern side of the main dike in Holland. Yeah. Yeah. What's that like? Did you? I suppose you had to ship your boat over early or something like that, or yeah. Yeah. Well, this was, was back even? in the yeah back in yeah. the um, the early nineties, ninety one. Um, so you know, no no real internet, you know, and kind of smartphones or anything back then. We we flew off uh, three and a half weeks before the the racing commenced and. We arrived there and the boats were meant to, we'd sent them months before that and they were meant to arrive there um, the week we got there and uh, they were delayed by a week and a half and held in customs. <laughs> we actually didn't get our boat until the week before the event training wow. and we couldn't even wow. go sailing. Yeah, jeez. That makes things hard, doesn't it? <laughs> it does. does yeah. a little bit. Yeah. <laughs> cool, mate. Uh, I'll start firing some questions to you and then we'll go back to your running towards the end. But yeah, sure. a lot of people when they do do trail running, they struggle with running downhill. What are some tips that you can give us with this one? Oh, downhill. You and I went through this in uh, our training course the other night. We did. We had a couple. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, the, the, the biggest key that I always find with downhill running, uh, and, and it, it lends itself back to road running as well, um, for, for the middle of the pack to the, to the beginner, it is always fear. Um, everyone has that fear of not being able to control themselves. Um, and, and then, obviously, that's compounded massively on trails because the last thing you want to do is not be in control because you're going to fall and hurt yourself. <laughs> I won't deny yeah. it, that happens. Yeah, <laughs> all oh, the time. Absolutely, mate. I have the biggest pussy when it comes to stuff like that. So. Oh, you, you love triple tops, mate. No, I hate it. <laughs> <laughs> oh. um, but it's, it's, it's one of those things, you know, people say you've got to break the fear. Yeah. And that is true to a certain degree, but they also don't give you the, the way to break the fear. Yeah. Um, and, you know, I've got, I've got a lot of, over the years, I've built up a lot of techniques and uh, assistance that I can give people to help them break their fear and, and learn to do different things. And then it, it develops from there. But one of the biggest ones is teaching people how to break themselves, um, yeah. not as in break themselves but slow <laughs> down break themselves yeah um you know just little things like teaching people to squat because most people are trying either to lean back when they're running downhill and that that causes a lot of issues especially for knees hips feet everything and downhill on trails the last thing you want to do is plant a heel because you'll you'll go down instantly um so you should always be trying to put your toe down not that you actually do with really steep stuff yeah um, and there's a whole nother you know, box of frogs there, but the, the main thing is is teaching people to squat. It, yeah. It's it's lowering your center of gravity, and as soon as you do, you start to engage your quads, which are your biggest muscle in your body, helps you break, you slow down. I get people to run downhill regularly, flat out, get out of control, and just squat, and they stop yeah. within so three steps. When you say squat, you're basically lowering your gravity to the ground, and so when you fall, doesn't hurt as much, or you don't have as far to. Yeah, and you tend not to fall as much. So if you squat yeah. and push your butt backwards toward the ground, not down your heels, back toward the ground behind you, yeah. um, so that you don't put your knee too far forward because you don't want to shear your knee either. Um, 
you, you squat down and we're only talking, you know, 20 centimetres at the absolute most and you'll stop instantly. Yeah. And it's because you engage that stopping force. Your knees are bent. You can't stride out anymore. Um, and I guess it's, is it one of those things where you don't go to the hardest downhill, you build up to it. So you go down yeah. a grass hill and then next time you want to have a grass hill with a few rocks. Is that, is this the best way to tackle it? Yeah, absolutely. Most of my beginners that I coach are probably only on about 12 to 14% somewhere on grass hill. Um, just yeah. so they get that feeling and then I get them used to that. And then once they're used to that, we progress from there. Right. Um, and then, and then beyond that, you know, there's, there's all sorts of things like we were talking the other day, I was talking to Tim Crosby about flicking. I think he's going to use Yeah. Yeah. Did you want to <laughs> um, expand on that for us as well? Yeah. Yeah. So, so sighting downhill is a huge thing in trail running. Um, and the biggest problem most, most beginners and middle runners I find have too, is they're fixated on right in front of them. That, two to three step in front and I, and I don't get me wrong I completely understand why I do it when I get tired and when I get um when I'm out of practice or I'm unfit the back of a big run I'll be here right in front of me instead of where I should be which is you know 10 meters in front five to ten meters somewhere there with trail running eventually once you get to the point where you're confident and comfortable with your foot placement you then learn to flick as we as I termed it you flick your eyesight from that, you know, two, three steps in front to five metres and back. And I teach most of my guys to do it quickly and hold their couple of steps in front, out to five, back again. So they're not doing it for long. And then eventually we work to the point where they're holding the five and just flicking back to below your feet. So okay. you're using a peripheral a lot more. And then eventually, once you get to a really comfortable point, you can go to 10 metres and just use a periphery underneath. Yeah. yeah. And that's the... It's just like anything. Practice makes perfect. The more you do it, better at it. Absolutely. Yeah. So yeah. we talk about specificity. So just get out in the trails, basically, and and flick. Yeah, yeah, and flick. Yeah. <laughs> oh, awesome. Nothing else. <laughs> yeah. Great tips already. And how do we run uphill, mate? Uphill. Yeah. Fast. Uh, fast. <laughs> <laughs> Some do. I don't. <laughs> Some do. Yeah. Ah, uh, there's lots to that as well. Um. Uphill is interesting. It's really interesting because, especially for trail, um, a lot a lot of people uh, believe that there's a lot of strength involved, and there is, but there's also technique. And then, as you'd be aware, Ryan, um, it's hard to describe it to someone without taking that particular person out. It's an individual thing, like like a lot of coaching is. It, it you know, I could tell you how to run uphill right now, the way you should be approaching the hill, the way your body position should be. But the issue is I'm not watching the individual and we've got people who lean back going uphill. We've got them leaning forward too far. We've got them, you know, heel striking, toe striking. <laughs> you know, yeah. So th there's a lot of that, that that really becomes that one-on-one. That's where a good coach helps as well. Yeah. Yeah, it's so true, isn't it? You can yeah. you can say, but, but everyone everyone learns and perceives things a different way too. So the best way is to, to grab the person and probably even film them, would you say, as well? Oh, yeah. Yeah, definitely. And I mean, that's another thing, too, is if you're you're someone who can't get to a coach but would like some advice um, and the co and the person's willing to give it to you, film yourself and send it to them <laughs> or yeah. show them that you're running up a hill um, yeah. where you're having the trouble. You know, as long as you get the basics down pat, you know, like the, the short and the stride, little things like pretending you're riding a bicycle is a good one, you know, so you're on the, on the toes depending on the length of the hill again and how technical it is and the trail, if it's a really, really long climb and steep, you're not going to be able to do that for a long time. You're going to have to revert back to the power hike, um, walking yeah. with purpose. <laughs> yeah, and, and this is another thing I want to touch on, is that sometimes power walking is quicker than running and you're losing more and you're using less energy when you're doing that, Absolutely. aren't you? Absolutely. Yeah, yeah, a lot less. Um, a, a prime example is, and it depends again on the person. You know, Amy finds it really hard to run uphill, uh, to, sorry, to walk uphill. So she runs, she teeters because she's got such short legs and little steps. Yeah. I just can't do it for a sustained period, but I can nearly pace her power hiking. So yeah. if we go up a steep hill, you know, like we're out the back of the um, Western Tears or something doing um, Higgs track or something like that, Amy will be just constantly teetering away at this constant, beautiful little pace that she holds all the time. I can't do it. So I'll, I'll run for like 20, 30 metres, power hike for 40, 50. Run for 20, 30, power hike. And we're the same. We're going up the hill the same pace. Yeah. 
probably using about the same amount of energy, to be honest. Um, yeah. But, you know, each to their own. And the power yeah. hike works. It really does. And the sticks, mate. Oh, yeah. Good? Yeah, yeah. Bad? Yeah, yeah. Like, depending on trail oh, no. running, too, I guess. In, in their place, they're a great additive to trail running. And, and again, depending on the trail. Um, a prime example of that is, you know, Surf Coast Century, the 100K over there. And gone nuts to a certain degree. I really wouldn't use them. Um, well, I don't personally, but I wouldn't yeah. suggest for anyone to use them unless they're right in the back end and struggling on a couple of those climbs. But when we go away to somewhere like um, Buffalo Stampede, for example, that's, you know, what's it, 5K, the first two climbs total 5K together. And um, they're uh, anywhere from 24 to 28% gradient on ripped fire trail. So it's just loose dirt. Yeah, poles climb. <laughs> yeah, and it just okay. saves your legs. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So it's, I, I guess the way to look at it is, is it's if it's something like loose or snow or something like that, this is when these are perfect. Mm. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, the first yeah. year we did, um, Amy and I did Buffalo. We were heading down Mystic, which is uh, 28 percent gradient, and we were going down even. Um, and you know, Amy's struggling away and I'm sort of not doing much better beside it. We're sliding down. I'm okay with it. And this girl goes past us making us look like we're standing still. And she's literally two poles out. She couldn't yeah. run faster than us, but two <laughs> poles out, feet splayed, skiing, the loose yeah. stuff all the way down with the poles. Wow. Got to the bottom wow. and we just, we caught it back up and just went past her like, <laughs> but, yeah. yeah, downhill. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, awesome. That's really interesting. Yeah. Yeah. And we do talk about – um. You know, some people will just train on trails. Some people will put in different intervals that aren't on trails. What do you think the best is? Do you think that you should be running trails all the time? Do everything on trails or do a mixture? What are your... Me or my, my president's hat? <laughs> oh, first of all, a coaching point of view and then, and then what you and Amy do. Well, it, I, uh, look, uh, generally speaking, I think it depends on the individual too. Um, yeah. But, yeah, I, if you're a roadrunner, I don't, don't think it hurts at all to get a little bit of trailing. It helps strengthen um, stability muscles and everything as well and sharpen yourself because you can get into that monotonous drone zone of running on the road and track. Just strength, um, mate, like a good trail, nothing better. And use a few different muscles that you just don't use when you're running flat all the time or, or even road, even with hills. Um, but personally, for me and, and uh, Amy, definitely, I know, and, and again, from the association's point of view, it's about connection. Um, I think we lose sight in society today of the fact that we are animals, whether we like to admit it or not. And nature, trails, are where we're meant to be. We're not meant yeah. to be on a man-made road or a footpath or anything like that. Um, so it's not just about getting out and developing different muscles in the body and usages, but it's about our soul and, and what we feel because we get a connection with nature that you don't get in a city or on a road and you never will. Um, yeah. Yeah. I think there's a, there's a whole other perspective we forget about when we don't go on these trails. And that's why I personally think the more trails you do, the better you'll be. Yeah, that's a really that's a really good point, isn't it? I hadn't I hadn't thought about that because at the end we are mammals, aren't we? And we're probably not even meant to have shoes in some aspect. No, <laughs> got a few friends who still run like that. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and we will get to the shoe side of things. But what I found really interesting is I had Amy on the podcast, and as you know, like I know a little bit about trail, but I'm not like you guys that really um, specific. You know, specific. You guys love it. You're right into it. Yeah. I found interesting that she does a lot of road intervals and track intervals as well. Uh, yeah. Is this something that you'd recommend at least doing some speed work and how far and what distance? And uh, Absolutely. Um, yeah. yeah, speed work, yeah, everyone needs to do it. Um, I've had people say, oh, I'm not going to do that. You know, I hate doing speed work. I hate running on the road. And, you know, six months later, yeah, I'm doing a bit of speed work because I know I'm not getting any faster. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you know, yeah. Yeah, it, the, the the building blocks of running don't change. Yeah. They're, they're always there. It doesn't matter whether it's, you know, from the track and athletics, from road running, recreational running background or a trail running background, the building blocks are all still the same. And yeah. no one ever denies that because 
you know, they've been built over eons of us running as human beings to get to this point now. The, the building blocks of how we get to be a runner and being consistent and doing runs never changes. Yeah. You know, to get faster, you do speed work. You do strength work. Um, you know, to yeah. go longer, you go a bit longer. Yeah. So don't need... Yeah. No, yeah, <laughs> no. Yeah, but it makes your, sense. Yeah. But your speed work really is relative to the distance you're aiming for. And this is one of the big keys I learned a long, long time ago. And it was actually a statement made by Halle Gabra Selesi, one of the greatest ever distance runners the world's seen. And he said, and always quote this, is that you pick the distance you want to aim for, you aim for it, then you move on. Don't do them all. Because you can't. You can't train properly for a 5K and expect to be able to do an ultra. It does not work and never will. No. And he's right. So, you yeah. know, but all your little bits of your training lead up to that as well. Yeah. And like you said, the building, but the building blocks, all training should be built gradually to that goal too. You just, yeah. Rome isn't built in a day. You just don't do long reps if you've never done long reps. Like no. you can, but you're not going to, not going to run on the best you probably would. And you'd probably come out with an injury too, but. That's right. Yeah. Uh, well, one of the things I, I, I always say to this one, I said it uh, not long ago to someone else, the, the very thing that I always say with anyone who comes to me for coaching, and I've always said this, and even my original group will attest to this, every single person in that group got asked a question. And the question was, do you want to try, do you want me to train you for the next race, your next big race, or all of them? Because I'm, if you want to train for the next race, you need to go and find another coach. I'm not going to do that. Because yeah. it's a lifestyle for me and always will be. And so I train for all your races, not just the next one, because I don't want to break you and have you disappear. I want you to yeah. enjoy your running and continue with your running because that's a lifestyle and mental benefit. Yeah. And do you think it comes down? This is probably not related, but I think it is in many aspects too. Do you think it's uh, a bit of FOMO, a bit of fear of missing out that people will jump to and from goals they're not ready for? Yeah, there's so yeah. many races out there now. We're going to Yeah, and I and I understand. This is why I understand because people love to do this stuff, and you know they're doing it for whatever. But like you said, it can be it can be their running career. They can get an injury so easily by doing a distance they're not ready for. And I think one of the toughest things, especially for the average recreational runner, trail or road, it doesn't matter. The toughest thing we're coming across now is not just the fact that there's so many events out there. It's the fact that so many of our social groups, because that's what our running is, it's a social group, all attend these races. So it is the FOMO, not necessarily just for the race, but it's the FOMO for the social group. Yeah, you know, yeah, if, absolutely. If they go to a run, we don't want to miss out on going out and having a coffee or a drink or whatever afterwards. That's yeah. where the issue is. It's the fact that we can't not run and go out with the group. That's what yeah. we think. Yeah, we're social beings. That's Yeah, yeah absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, and I think that's why so many people get drawn into going to every race and not really just going, well, I'm going to do this one for fun. I'm going to turn up and support my friends at this one. Yeah, yeah. Not I'm not injured, but I'm just going to turn up. <laughs> yeah, and I guess it's, um, yeah, I mean, at the end of the day, it's your choice and it's your goals. But I think, I think as coaches, I, I do try and it is hard and it is to say pick one goal, then tick that yeah. off and then be ready for the next one. But make sure you're ready. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And some myths and some facts, mate, that that you've come across that you go, oh, my God, that's ridiculous, and that is true. <laughs> oh, well, one off the top of my head because we were just looking at the Mindigo from our coaching course. Uh, Miss fact or uh, mis yeah, misnomer from, from Ultra because that's where a bit of my background is as well. Um, but even, I suppose, this translates back to marathon, half marathon, 10K as well. Is you've got to do the distance prior to doing the distance? Yeah. No, you don't. <laughs> no yeah. one needs to run 42K before a 42K. No. Would you say time on your feet is more important? Yeah. 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 And, and specific time on your feet too. Um, so, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Again, you know, it's... It's one of the things we, we find, Amy and I, so hard is that people don't get their slow run is not slow enough. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Just, if you've got to walk, walk. It's yeah. not going to kill you, but it's going to help you for yeah. your back end, you know. The, the problem you... we find is too many people try and bring up their top end of running 
you know, their speed work and everything, but completely forget about their base level fitness, their aerobic fitness. And your body can't stretch that gap. It's got to bring it all up. And if you don't bring up your aerobic, your plateau, you won't get any faster. Yeah. And uh, if you are listening and you do your long runs constantly at a really quick pace, you will pay for it eventually. I'm not saying there's no space there not to do the occasional fast one, mm-hmm. but what's slow? I mean, for me, I say to my runners between a minute 20, a minute 30 slower than 5K race pace. That's about what I – that's what I say, but everyone is different as a coach. No, no, I, I'd agree with that, Brian. You're pretty close there. If you're aiming for a 5K, yeah. Yeah. Um, Amy and I say there's a, uh, a bit of a gap. I, I heard a study about 10 years ago from um, Boulder, Colorado, from elite athletes running, that they've worked out, that they've worked out at the time, that there was a gap between 30 seconds slower than your race pace for given distance and race to a minute 30 slower, that you shouldn't train in. That's mm. where they claim the junk miles are. So. Yeah. You know, all your pace should either be faster than race pace or down to 30 seconds below if you're having an off day for your speed work or your training or your tempo work or whatever. And then anything below that for your slow runs are all that minute and a half slower than race pace. And this, so if you're, if yeah. you're running a six minute K race pace, yes, that is seven and a half minute K race pace slower for your long run. And <laughs> this is another thing, it comes back to fear of what people think of me if I do run that pace. And once again, Strava is a fantastic tool and we're lucky to have it. And as coaches, Mm. it's fantastic for us to be able to look at data. We've got more data than we can ever hope for these days. But I just, I can't stress enough. Just don't be embarrassed about your pace. It is what it is and you'll benefit for it down the track and you'll get more PBs or better, better running experiences for it. No, absolutely. I mean, you've, Okay, everyone's welcome to look at mine. Mine's still up there. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. And and my slow runs are, and it is relative. I've got to make that point. It is relative to your pace. So for me personally, you know, my my race pace currently in 10K would be about, uh, yeah, 3.25, 3.30-ish pace somewhere there. So, you know, a slow run for me is five-minute case. Yeah. That might seem extremely fast to a lot of people still but it's slow for me so it's relative you know um if i'm if i'm only running four minute k's then it's five and a half minute k's if i'm running three minute k's then it's you know four minute k's or 30 yeah exactly and Mm. and we've both touched on specificity uh did you want to did you want to elaborate a little bit on that and you talked about specificity of of the distance like did you want to give an example over trial running maybe yeah, yeah. Uh, distance is a tough one. We, we have a bit of a big problem with that. A lot of people, and it takes a lot of people a long time to understand, um, especially when you go into ultras, and that's where Amy and I, you know, we, we love that stuff and we, we try to specialise in it. We're not perfect. No one is. Yeah. <laughs> we still learn all the time. That's, yeah, uh, mate, I think, I think every coach does. They say if they don't, they're lying. That's right, yeah. yeah. They should be learning all the time. They should yeah, be yeah. developing. Yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah, the, the distance one, I mean, I've, yeah, well, I've been running ultras for 20 years and that's not long compared to some people, but I draw from those people too, you know. I've got a lot of friends who've been doing 40 or 50 years before it was a sport. <laughs> yeah. Um, you know, e- eating banana, uh, honey sandwiches and throwing down apple cider vinegar and everyone thinks they're mad. <laughs> yeah. I now know why. <laughs> yeah. Well, they were definitely onto something, weren't they? <laughs> they were. Yeah. Um, but yeah, the, the distance... The distance thing, especially when you get to the ultra and, and leading up to around the marathon too, and this is really relevant to the middle distance, to the middle of the pack and back of the pack, is you don't need to do that distance, as I said, but you also don't need to do the Ks that the elites do. Yeah. You know, you should be specifying. So your long, easy run is about, as you said, in that part of the field time. Because for you to do a five-hour run, you're not going to cover half the distance that the front guy is going to. Mm. But you're still doing five hours on your legs, yeah. You know, and and you'll and it's all relative to the distance you're doing. I mean, if you're doing a hundred k or a hundred mile or two hundred mile, it's completely different again. Um, and the other big one that I think everyone forgets these days too is that we all look at the elites or the the named um, social media representatives, if that's a better term. <clears throat> um, and and they we forget they don't work full time jobs. They don't have a family at home. Not all of them. Some of them do. 
Mm. Um, you know, so that their, their, their full time job is to run, is yeah. to rest, is on, to eat properly. On hand physios, <laughs> on hand doctors, well, yeah, yeah, on yeah, hand sports science. Yeah, 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 yeah. The all yeah. the stuff. Yeah. yeah. And we don't get that. Um, we're just regular people, you know. Amy and I work four full time jobs, you know. Amy's a grandmother of three, and, yeah. and she's got three kids, and, and we, we, we do all the regular stuff. <laughs> yeah yeah and that's it and that's and that's what most of the population are and and this is another thing that i think really is important to take in is what type of job you do like you might be a nurse and you might be walking on the wards and i think you've got to this is my belief that you've got to attach that to your training because if you're walking 10k a night on the wards that's some that's some good mileage isn't it yeah yeah absolutely so um people ask me regularly as you touched on before whether i do strength work um to be honest, for the last 10 years, not a scaric. Yeah. But for the last 10 years, I've been a bus mechanic. <laughs> lifting. You know, I'm lifting things twice my weight every day, constantly. I'm on my feet all day in a concrete shed, you know, all that stuff. So that's that's draining and tiring and, and, and it's a workout. Um, as of four weeks ago, I've got to change all that now because I'm, I'm in retail. I'm not doing that anymore. <laughs> yeah. And, yeah, actually, so retail... Did you want to say where you work? And because I think this is really relative to the podcast today as well. That's relative to everyone who trails, right? Oh, absolutely. <laughs> yeah. Uh, now, uh, retail manager at Windy Beat in Launceston with Amy, who's the operations manager up here as well. So, uh, right. We've got a nice little core team of three of us with Kylie and um, absolutely loving it. Yeah. It's great. Get to sit and talk about trail running all day, every day, and sell awesome. some great products too. And the product side, this is the next question, mate. Yeah. So we'll, we'll start with shoes. I mean, this is going to be an open slather because everyone is so individual with feet and oh, yeah. prior injuries and current injuries. Yep. Trail shoes, advantage, disadvantage, first of all. Massive advantage. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, and again, we're talking about specificity. Trail shoes are, yeah, they're specific to the trail you're going to do. Anyone who comes into the shop, the first thing I ask them is what type of trails you're running on. Because it's vastly different, you know, running on in Trevallon Reserve here or on, um, you know, Dial Range where you guys are or the Central Plateau or Kunyani anywhere. Or They're all different. And the, the shoe's going to be different for that too. Um, you know, like my, my favourite personal, they don't make anymore um, because of my foot's a narrow foot um, and has always fitted a Salomon. Uh, footbed really well is the original speed a lot of the bigger guys that i know race here race in the speed cross i yeah. can't wear them because i'm not heavy enough um they're a very structured shoe the speed itself is nothing in the bottom very minimal and i've always been a bit of a minimal runner um but they just don't make them anymore the rock grip yeah. on it was phenomenal but i can't get it so now i'm playing with about four shoes at the moment trying to work out where i'm at yeah, yeah. And, and how do we find out the best shoe for us? Do we go along to a place like oh, you? Is that... Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah I've got to say that, don't I? No. Uh, look, <laughs> I, I do. Yeah, I do. But aside from, from those that work in the place and trail running, that's, that's, if you're talking about trail running or even road running, you know, Mike at the running company, for an example, um, Kim and the guys down in Hobart at the running edge, that, and, and Hanny and Graham at Point Your Feet, and they, they do it. You know, they go out and they run and they do exactly what they're preaching. They know because they've been there and done it. And not only do they know, those people and myself and Amy, we listen to those that come back. We have our own groups. So we're not just talking about how our foot fits in a shoe and what we think you should run in. We're talking about a collective that we've gained from all those people that come to us all the time. Yeah. And, and that's what you need to do is just find that support network. It's no different to all of the training you do. Yeah. Yeah. And... Light and heavy shoes, because trail is once again very different. You can have one that's very supportive, depending on the terrain, but then you can have a lighter racer too, can't you? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And I think this is one of those uh, mis misdemeanors as well with trail running shoes. We get a lot of people come in and go, oh, I need I need an uh, overpronating shoe or underpronate or whatever. With trail running, you literally throw that out the window. Yeah. Because at the end of the day, your foot's, yeah, it's never yeah. flat. <laughs> yeah. So yeah. how's pronation ever going to be a thing? It's, it's not. not. It's not like a road. Or no. So the only yeah. thing that we really work on then is is structure as far as stability in the shoe. 
and they're so side to side lateral stability if you need it. Some people are weaker in the ankles and need that stability, or they're a bigger person that that needs structure and support and cushioning. Um, or then, like myself, I mean, I, I weigh sixty two kilos, so yeah. I'm not heavy by any means. Um, so I can run in a fairly light shoe. Um, yeah, and there's some great shoes out there, some bigger ones that I can't run in because I just can't compress them enough to make them comfortable. They feel like running on rocks. Uh, yeah. So it, it is very, very personal when it comes to shoes. Yeah. Yeah. So I think the best thing is head over to Find Your Feet, which are situated – are they Brisbane Street? Are they Brisbane Street? No, no, we're uh, in the Kingsway. 23 Kingsway. 23 Kingsway. So make an yep. appointment with John and the team. Uh, <laughs> uh, but and, and you talked about that strength work and, and stability – I think it's a huge untapped one percenters area that everyone should be doing. I quote mm. a lot. I, I don't do it, but uh, <laughs> no, no, that's probably a lot. I'll probably, I'll probably do it now more than I have, ever have because I've got older. Um, what should we be looking at in trail running especially? Trail running, yeah, trail running is absolutely crucial for that, that stuff. Um, you're going to fatigue a lot, lot quicker if you're coming from road straight to trail without those stability muscles. Because it it'll be then rely you'll be then relying on your normal main muscles that you use for running to stabilise and they'll fail quickly because they're not used to. So you really need to build your strength muscles around your major muscle groups so that they're firing and grabbing and pulling and you can still run normally in between. Um, I, I can use myself as an example, and I didn't realise this until about ten years in that I I'd, I'd had a background in in strength and stability and not even thought about it that way. Um, so another sport I played, <laughs> yeah. um, I used to play a badminton at a, at a fairly good level. I was B grade in Launceston and it's not exceptional, but I was still a reasonable player and I played weekly and I trained on Sundays, you know, and I did that for oh, nearly eight years and didn't even think about the fact that that's, that's a constant quick moving sport and stability muscles are constant, you know, I was yeah. building them all the time. And I played sport as a kid and footy and that as well. And that all led to that. And then when I stopped playing badminton, it was about two years later, I started to get hamstring issues. For those who, who followed a bit of my career before, um, one of my Ross Marathon wins, they, it was on the news. I was twin quad cramp falling across the line. Yeah, <laughs> All right. that stuff. Okay, yeah. And a lot of that came from, and that was road running. And a lot of that came from the fact that I'd given up badminton two years before that because I didn't have time. It was one of yeah. those things, you know, work prevailed. Um, and I didn't have time. And so I just didn't play and I couldn't afford it at the time. And and I never focused on stability or strength. And that's what it was. I know full well that's what it was. Yeah. So what are we what are we talking about? Are we talking about balance activities where you're standing on a ball even or glutes, all that sort of stuff as well? Oh, yeah. And... Look, I think it's it's very similar to all training. You should diversify a bit, not too much regularly, because you're only going to just try and fire different muscles that aren't going to work all the time. And, and, and you're well. never going to go back. Yeah. Uh, so there needs to be a plan to it. Um, but yeah, you're right. Definitely. You know, working on a few stability muscles with balance is a critical one for tra- trail running. Yeah. Um, you know, one of those things that I've always been lucky with is is that balance. As an eight year old kid running along the rocks at Bridgeport, all I can hear is my mum's voice you know, 300 metres behind me, stop, you'll break your neck. I'm running <laughs> yeah. across rocks. <laughs> yeah, yeah, so you're just a natural as well, I said it too. I just, I just loved yeah. it. It was fun, you know. I used to do it yeah. all the time. It was just – but that, that's, that's one of those things, you know, for people who didn't do that as kids, they can mm. still develop those skills. And even older adults can. It is, as you said, you know, you grab things like a BOSU ball and you practice your balance on that initially and then, then you go to a little rocky area and start to balance on top of them and instead of running through the bottom of rocks you run across the top and you learn to pick which ones aren't going to move and which ones will and if they do move what do you do after that yeah and it's and one of the most simple ways you can find out if your stability and balance is good is just go down to kmart grab a band stand on one leg put or put one leg through the band and see your balances and stand on one foot and do side to side motions they do yep. have a name. I can't think of it now. Theraband. Yeah, that's it. Yep. Yeah. Yep. And physios would call a certain exercise, but I, I can't think of that at the moment. Yeah. But just do that and you'll find out if you need improvement or not as well. Mm. Yeah, absolutely. 
um, you know, just even little things like sideways bounding and that in your training, just um, sidestepping. I use the grapevine a little bit when we do coaching because I do a bit of technique stuff as well. I should say a lot of technique. But, yeah, you know, just those sort of things regularly in your training will help strengthen those stability muscles as well. And right. and depending on the distance you're doing as well, the weights can help as well, um, for sure. I mean, you know, depending on your build too. Um, yeah. You know, uh, Amy's a prime example. A lot of people may not know she started off as a power lifter when she was younger. That's where her background was. So when we first met, she was quite broad across the shoulders and muscly. She still is. Um and then went to triathlon, so that didn't drop a lot. And those strength conditioning was still there, but she was using heavier weights. And then now she's leaning in toward ultras. The weights have come down, but there's more reps, you know. She's, she's doing body weight stuff a lot more. Yeah. 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 You want to do endurance reps, not short, sharp, don't you? Because... At the end of the day, running is an endurance sport, so you want to build that endurance side of things. Oh, yeah. I mean, you know, I do the one rappers all the time, can't you tell? <laughs> yeah, yeah, me too. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and a lot of people these days, because it is such a social sport, try running especially, crewing for someone. What are we doing? Oh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> what do you do? Get what out What are some them. things? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> oh, there's heaps to crewing. Crewing is actually a whole other gambit itself and and i've learned this over a long time um you know i've been privileged enough to crew for a lot of things i, I helped out with three peaks when i wasn't racing um i've been amy's crew most of the time one of the big ones we always say is that family fa family and uh, loved ones should never be crew members um we're not saying don't be there <laughs> yeah um, it's not about not being there it, it's about being there but in the background um, because Amy knows it, everyone else who knows it is, and, and Hanny, you know, says it in her seminars too. As soon as she sees Graham, she goes to pieces. As soon as Amy sees me, she goes to pieces and wants to pull out. And, and that's because that's that connection you have, you know. Um, whereas a friend will give you a little bit of tough love and shove a, you know, potato down your throat and shove you back out the door again in ultra. Yeah. <laughs> um, but, but it is all relative too, you know. Um, Amy did taste trial two years ago, um, did the FKT on that at the time, and and I, I crewed for her the whole way, four days, you know, seven hours and was just always there. Um, and it was only myself and Tim and, and um, the boy Reese, and just the three of us cruising along in a van following Amy for 480k. Yeah. <laughs> you know? um, but we went and did Coast to Osco, so that yeah. was 240k in December. Um, she got second there. So Bev, her normal crew member, her friend, is, is probably her, her main crew. Um, and Tim again, Tim Gambles came with us, and, and I was there, but I was, I was there, but not. So I wasn't in Amy's face whenever she needed something. Bev and Tim were over with her, um, so they're the ones conversing with her, and I was the one in the background, giving my my knowledge because I know her intimately, but I just couldn't be there. But there, there comes a point where you can, you know, like we got to um, was it forty odd k from the finish. Uh, and, and Bev and, and Tim were feeling a little bit out of it because we're at altitude by then, about 2,000 metres. And so I ran because you, you're meant to have a, um, a running partner by then, support crew. So I ran the last 40K with Amy and it was just, you know, it was just us out for a run. Yeah. Cruising along, yeah. But as far as support crew goes for something, uh, I guess a good example would be uh, 101 because it was just on, you know, a couple of weeks ago, gone nuts. Um, the, the big key is is not to give them everything. This is the thing that people, especially when you get into the ultra distance, and when we talk about half marathons and marathons, it's rarely that you need support crew. It's support at the fit, start and finish. Yeah. You know, you've got your aid station. You can do 100Ks and 100 milers without support crew. I've done them. Amy's done them. Um, but it is nice to have someone there. And if you're really having a crack at it, it, it's good to have someone there. But they've also got to understand that you're not going to be in a state of mind to be able to make the right decisions at the right time. So no. for an example, if I was going to do a hundred K by myself, I would pack my drop bags and they go to the aid stations. I'd pack in those drop bags. The only alternatives I want to give myself at that point in the race, but <laughs> don't pack yeah. everything. And yeah. that's one of the big mistakes people make. So that, that goes back to crewing as well. You don't want a crew to turn up with a van full of the supermarket and go, what do you want? Because They've got to make the decision for you almost. 
Yeah, and, you know, 75 to 80K into a 100K run, you're not going to be in a state of mind to make any decision. You're not going no. to know what your body wants. No. Number one. <laughs> yeah. And number yeah. two, if you, if you do feel hungry, you'll probably eat everything in the back of it and 3K later you're throwing up again. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> not interested at all, that isn't. But anyway. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, and a lot of trail runners will change shoes, they'll change their top, they'll change their shorts, they'll change just about everything. What are your yeah. thoughts on this? Do we change to sweat? Do we change if it's, you know, if it's not chafing you, do you still change it? I don't, but that's personal too. Yeah. Um, I don't feel I need to. Um, some people some people do chafe pretty badly and, and that's why they do it. Um, I think if you're focusing on how much you're changing your gear, you're probably not focusing on the right thing, so... Yeah, um, yeah. <laughs> and most of us can run through uh, an ultra with, with the same gear on. But again, that's about uh, experience and picking the right gear too. Uh, yeah. You know, the, I've, it's taken me 20 odd years to realise that, yeah, running an ultra, I should be in something like a merino top if I'm going to run in cool weather. Um, not only because Marina's warm, but also because it's self wicking and it doesn't hold sweat and I'm not going to chafe and. You know, it goes on and on. There's lots of little things to the tech gear. Um, you know, wearing the right pair of shorts makes a massive difference because if you chase as a boy down there, <laughs> it's, yeah. Yeah, it's, it's a long, game it's over. Long, it's yeah. a long 80k home, yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah, and it's the same for the girls as well. You know, it doesn't matter whether it's down there or under breast or whatever. You know, there's, it, it's about finding that gear and, and making sure you've got the right stuff to do it. Yeah. Yeah. Good answers. And what direction do you see trail running heading for the future, especially in, in Australia and then Tasmania as well? But do you think there's any chance that we'll get a world championship or anything like that? Yeah. 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 <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I honestly do. Um, so to give a bit of perspective on where we're at, um, as far as the Trail Running Association goes at the moment, uh, the history of the whole whole thing obviously goes well beyond me, way back. We've got a massive history of trail running in the state and Australia. Um, there's been no formalisation at a structural governmental level for a long, long time, and that's been a bit of an issue. We've had World Mountain Running and ITRA, uh, our International Trail Running Association, which are trying to govern the sport individually, well, mountain running's got a bit of an issue because trail running isn't always on mountains, um, just in the name. <laughs> yeah. But uh, I knew that there was there was a lot of work going on in the background when we went to Worlds with Amy three, four years ago uh, in Portugal and had a good talk to the Australian manager at the time, Rob Boyce, and he moved to the International Olympic Committee at the time just after that. And he had said to me that, that everything was moving in the right direction and told me what was happening. And then I came back and I sat down and I went, because I'd always thought we need to do something here. You know, look at the place we run in, look behind me. Yeah, beautiful. <laughs> um, yeah. You know, we, we, we need to make something of this. And, and we've got people like Lincoln, who, Quillam, who are just doing amazing things. And Steve Appleby and that with Hobart Trail Runners and, and those guys, all the guys down there and, and have run for you where you guys are. And, and there's just so much going on and there's not not a group connecting everyone and, and giving a bit of guidance to the sport. And even the organisers haven't really got a connection there at the moment. You know, we're sort of starting to overlap on our events and we shouldn't try not to be is a good thing. We're going to eventually, but try not to be. So the thought then came about maybe we should have a, a governing body, so to speak, um, or an association. Uh, I spoke to a few others, um, Rob again and, and Tim Crosby, who's the... Um, Vic Athletics uh, recreational running um, manager. And yeah, there was a, a good push and great thoughts. We jumped the gun a little bit because there's no national body. <laughs> That's yeah, the issue okay. we have in Australia. Um, so I'm the national organizers representative for the, you know, the event side for ITRA. Um, and uh, Aaron Knight's the runners representative. So we're representatives for the International Trail Running Association, but there's no group in Australia doing the governance. Um, and we're obviously going to work toward that, but we definitely you know, are ahead of the game now because we've got the Taste Trail Running Association. And from what I can see, 
the rest of Australia doing at the moment and talking with a few of them. They're using us as a bit of a test bed, which is great. Um, so to get back to your answer, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah right. trail, trail running is going to grow huge, and it already has. Um, when you look at events like UTA, which has helped Trail Australia in the Blue Mountains, six, cap that, 6,500 competitors over four events, um, you know, sells out booming. in two and a bit days. <laughs> yeah, it's booming, you know. Yeah, yeah. it's huge. Yeah. yeah, awesome. And one last question. Actually, two more questions before we go to the audience. Hopefully, they've got a few yeah. questions. If you are listening, answer, you know, put your questions down below. Uh, you touched on it a little bit. Let's just say if your event is a 100K event, you know, how far should we be running in a training run? This is very individual too because some people – can go a little bit less, but stock standard runner, let's just say stock standard runner. Middle of the pack runner. Yeah. 100K. Look, to be honest, the most you'd have to do in the training run, absolutely have to to get your head around it, 50, 60K. Absolute yeah. most. But it's going it, it, to, this, this is where it's a problem too. It's got to be, it's got to be the right distance out from the event too. Because you've got to recover from that. I don't think people realise that even if you're doing it slow, you're still doing the distance, you're still doing the time on your legs. So it doesn't matter whether it's 20K or 80K you're doing in the lead up to 100K, you're still doing that distance, that time. Yeah. And your body needs recovery from that. And if you, especially if you go and do it at pace, like a tempo run, um, or another race, um, yeah. you need to recover. So, so an example of that is, that, I mean, I was just talking about this a minute ago, when, when she won UTA a couple of years ago, tempo run, she doesn't do tempo runs, but she does races. So that technically is a tempo run because it's at the same pace. She did convicts and wenches, or now run her ass, uh, will be, uh, <laughs> three months before, two and a half months before. Nothing major leading up, nothing over that 50K distance prior you know, she, she recovered from the 50K. She did a lot of 20Ks and 30Ks and double up days where she did 20 in the morning and 20 in the afternoon. So it's about getting your body used to being going in the morning and going in the afternoon. Yeah. But she works all day in between too. So getting back to what you said before, yeah. there's that continuance to you've got to think about work as doing exercise and movement and so forth. You know, she's on a feed all day. So if she did 20K in the morning, she's on a feed all day and then does 20K in the afternoon, there's a 100K run. Yeah. yeah, yeah, and uh, and lifestyle is a big thing. I've had some runners who just literally cannot fit even 35k in, so I'll say split it over the weekend, do some in the morning, do some in the afternoon. Um, yep, yeah, it worked, you know, kids, family, sport, all of that comes into it, and it's just yeah. about splitting up what you can, where you can, and doing what you can. Yeah. yeah, you'll prioritize if you need to. It depends on the ambition and the drive you've got, depending on what you want to do. Yeah, perfectly said. And some of your achievements, mate, before we go to the audience, but what are some of your achievements that you're really, really proud of? Let us know. Running or? <laughs> yeah, running, yachting, life. Oh, of course. I was Races I even? Race, yeah. Oh, look. Uh, I suppose the, the, the top one's definitely, obviously, you know, representing Australia. I'll never forget that. Yeah. Uh, sailing. Three peaks even to do it once, but let alone do it 10 times in a row. That was amazing. I'll never forget any of the experiences from that. Actually, we're talking about one today with a few of the guys who went out for the, the hike with. I just My second race ever, we got to the top of Streslecki on Flinders. Daylight, the beaches were starting to light up as the sun hit them. And I could look across and I could just see the silhouette from the, the lights of Melbourne of the sky rise, the uh, high rise mount, uh, buildings over in, in Melbourne, you know, just things like that. You yeah, never forget, beautiful. never will. Um, I mean, my, my running career, I've got a couple, you know, I've, I've won the state marathon championships because no one else turned up. <laughs> no, but no, I mean, I mean you're a bit, you know, you're a bit rough on yourself, mate. You're, you've run a 240s marathon. That's, that's moving. Yeah. Yeah, it is. It's all right. I won't say it's not because a lot of people can't do it. You know, I've done, I can't remember, 20-odd marathons now, and I think there's only three that were over three hours, 3.30, as in three hours and 30 seconds, three hours and 54 seconds, and three hours, one minute and 52 seconds, I think, were the three of them. There you go. <laughs> You've got a pretty good, uh, you know, you got a pretty good rate there. It's good. Yeah, but, you know, there's been... 
lots, lots and lots of stuff. Um, being support crew for me too. Um, you know, I'm experiencing vicariously through Amy a lot of the time as well to see yeah. her achieve goals like UTA. You know, not only was she first female, she was 11th outright on the day. Which is just awesome. You know, yeah, yeah. It so is. good. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And I got to have a run that day as well. And yeah, it's just the, I love being part of the community. Um, and it's not, not just trail. Trail's awesome, but that same community transfers to road as well. I've had some amazing road races as well. Yeah. Right. Awesome, mate. Well, we don't have any questions. or I reckon we've nailed it, mate. We've absolutely nailed this podcast. But if you are listening and you do have some questions, put them below, and I'm sure John O won't mind answering them. Not at all. But I reckon a good one that I always ask in my podcast, you may even uh, – we've covered a few things, but what's a, a piece of advice that you'd give a newbie runner or even someone who has been at it and knows a lot anyway? Oh, there's lots. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, I don't know. I, I think I think personally the, the big thing that people need to do is just take a backward step and realise what their running is for them. Uh, that's, uh, we talk about this in social groups pretty regularly, but, um, yeah, I don't think people think about it enough. They, they go, oh, I want to do this race or I want to do that race or this is coming up or is it really the race? Is it, you know, is it the training? Is it the race? Is it the achievement? Is it the social side? Yeah. And I don't think people sit down and really nut out why they're racing. And don't get me wrong, all of those reasons are great reasons. Any reason is a great reason to be out there doing something. Because as human beings, we're, we inevitably, a lot of the people I'm talking to now wouldn't, but inevitably the vast majority of us are happy to sit around and do nothing. Um, you know, it, it's a common fact that, bandied around all the time and I think we miss this one too that only about six percent five percent of the population have ever run a 5k race in their life yes not let, let alone a half marathon yeah I mean think yeah. about that for a minute five percent of the population so only five in a hundred people have ever run 5k and then because we live in running circles then you think about half marathon marathon ultra what is the percentage? Because you go to something it's like less than one percent. Yeah, I think it's less than one a marrow. So. Oh, yeah, yeah. So imagine what a hundred k is. Yeah, <laughs> less than yeah. half a percent. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah. A lot yeah. less. Yeah, yeah. Point oh oh one. Yeah, you yeah. Know, so yeah, even even to tackle it to start one of those races is is an achievement that everyone should pat themselves on the back for and yeah. realize that's why they're getting there. Not because of the finish, not because of the medal, not because of anything else, because you get knocked your bum and you're doing something. So you're saying think about the process, enjoy the process, and then when you get there, that's that's the best part. That's you know, that's all about the little things you tick off before you get to it. Yep, absolutely. Because you've got to enjoy the process, otherwise you won't do it. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, so true. It's one of the reasons why we love the the mix of trail and road, you know, and, and trail runners love going trail because it's a process to do the training, but we enjoy the environment we're in. So. Absolutely. Perfect, mate. And where do we find I'll Train? Where can we get them? I'll Train. Or someone to, who wants to hit up coaching, anything like that. Uh, well, you can find us on Facebook. <laughs> yeah. Um, I've got a horrible website at the moment. I've got to get that fixed. <laughs> um, but yeah, oh, look, you know, at any of the events we go to as well. Um, yeah, triple top. Run around to who will be. Um, I might be running that one because uh, Jason Milner's going to step up and race direct for me. So that's beautiful. Good. Beautiful. Yeah, and down at Rail Trail as well. I'll be on the finish line doing the timing again. Yeah. So you do you do all coaching, don't you? You do all distances and. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. We, we do everything. Um, we specialise in trail and ultra because that's our passion. Yeah. Um, you know, you've got to do what you love and we do love it. And we love seeing the results as well. Um, yeah, it's a good part in it. Awesome. Listeners, this has been Jonathan Claridge. I've been Brian Lyons. This is the Everyday Lions Running Podcast. Thank you, John. Thanks, mate. Cheers, mate. Listeners, that was Jonathan Claridge. I think you'd agree that that was a really, really informative podcast and John really, really knows his shit. And I think... If you are doing a trial event or you want to 
get really specific and get some better knowledge on how to race a trial race properly, I would get in touch with John and just, yeah, send him an inbox or find Old Train and uh, give the page a like. I really appreciated John's time. And if you did enjoy this podcast, please reach out to John. I have been Brian Lyons, your host. This is the Everyday Lions Running Podcast. And happy running.